When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, it's 1.45 in the morning on day eight of the US Open. And as we come to you, we are watching Novak Djokovic sit in a meditative state at the chair midway through his fourth round match against 20-year-old American Jensen Brooksby. He lost the first set. It has been an epic second set. We're still in it. Djokovic leads five games to two. Brooksby is serving at 2-5 to stay in the set. 2-5 does not tell the story of this set of tennis. There was a 20-minute game in the middle of it in which Brooksby broke eventually the Djokovic serve to, to get things back on track. But Djokovic, being the guy that he is, immediately sees the break. Now, full disclosure, we've got no David. He has been instructed to have one more great night's sleep before he's allowed to return to the pod despite being champing at the bit to to come back all day to have a very stern conversation with him I have a day job to do uh, <laughs> and Matt despite me thinking it would be a wonderful listen can't do this podcast alone <laughs> so we are gambling on Jensen Brooksby being the plucky guy that takes Djokovic to four or five sets but eventually loses and not this being the Roberta Vinci moment and look folks if you're listening to this knowing that Jensen Brooksby is the new Roberta Vinci don't worry it will be amply covered in any and all future tennis podcasts just to make up for 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 the delay we'll just mention it in every tennis podcast of the future we'll just give you a little review of how the upset happened uh in 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 a different in a different accent every time um so that is that's our state of affairs matt absolutely yes we're we're gambling on having already seen perhaps the best of jensen brooksby the idea that he could possibly play better than this or even the same or as even this. the same as this for another hour and a half is unfathomable really he has been so good i thought he would show up you know what we knew about jensen brooksby from the matches he's won this year from the first three rounds of this tournament he's had some really impressive wins i thought he would show up i thought he would test djokovic i did not expect this i did not expect him to come out and just outplay Djokovic in the first set. He hit one unforced error in the first set. He went toe-to-toe from the baseline with these difficult-to-read ground strokes that he's got. His backhand, he can kind of do anything with it, including a a two-handed slice that he throws in. His forehand is just a joke of a shot. It's all so, so impressive and... I feel like this has been such a fun match to watch. Um, that that 20-minute game came off the back of another very competitive game. And then Djokovic broke straight back and stared down the court at Jensen Brooksby. I mean, it's all been and, going and on. Brooksby's been doing his own stares to say, I'm not Lorenzo Musetti. I'm, I'm a man. I'm not here to... 
I, I don't mean this is a slight on Lorenzo Mazzetti, but there was as 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 I think Djokovic himself said, as soon as he got the break in the third set, he knew it was over, mm. and and it had the feeling that it was over. Brooksby is a man. He has the substance to to keep this up. It probably won't be enough to to win it for him, but he's giving him looks to say. I am not going anywhere. I am. I am not retiring for the fans. <laughs> not sure anyone ever is or ever has before retired for the fans, Matt. Apart from Lorenzo Mazzetti. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't expecting this. Same as you. I expected him to show up. I expected him to to challenge Djokovic in a completely different way. To maybe maybe go out of the Gilles Simon playbook. Do do more junk balling. He's decided to show up and do Djokovic back at Djokovic and mm. have the audacity to make it work, which is absurd, really, truly absurd. I mean, we always applaud anybody that even attempts that, let alone attempts it and pulls it off for, well, for at least a 6-1 set. Let's see what happens. Djokovic is serving for the second set. He's 5-3, 30-love. So we'll keep you updated on that. Already out of date tennis news as we progress along. Now let's uh, let's let's analyse the results that already are set in stone and we can't embarrass ourselves over. And let's start by bringing you an update from our very own David Law on how he's doing. Hello, folks. It's me. Um, I'm feeling fine. Pretty much after two or three days of uh, feeling not fine. Um, and I've been in bed for most of it. Hugely grateful to Matt and Catherine for keeping things going in my absence and um, their immense kindness in, yeah, looking out for me. Um, they also sent me the most incredible hamper, <laughs> which uh, which I can't quite believe uh, I'm getting to enjoy. So. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm hugely grateful, and also for all the very nice messages many of you have been sending me. Um, I'm I feel pretty much fine now. Um, Catherine has got me uh, drinking rehydration salts, which I pledge to carry with me wherever I go forevermore, because they are changing my life, um, and have certainly enabled me to get through. Some not commentary, but certainly some broadcasting on the Emma Raducanu's match tonight, which was just so uplifting. Uh, yet again, I mean, what what we've witnessed the last two or three days. I mean, it's it's classic me that I would uh, kind of blow a gasket on the night of um, Carlos Alcaraz doing what he did, and on all these other players. And we we have had. I mean, you, you've referenced it a number of times in the podcast that. Um, where this stands, where this couple of days of this Grand Slam stands, I can't think of anything else like it, really. I mean, I know I'm I'm certainly prone to recency bias, but the, the manner of the one after another, epics, shocks, surprises, oh, it has been just wonderful. Um, as for Raducanu, I mean, I, I keep trying to keep it into perspective and think back to when Laura Robson was in the fourth round and and the excitement around her nine years ago and the fact that injury derailed her. And I don't want the same to happen to Raducanu, obviously. But how can you not get excited about what she's doing? She's making it look so easy, natural, fun, and long may it continue because it's a, just a joy. So anyway... I'll leave you in the hands of Matt and Catherine. I'm going to get one more good night's sleep. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks to them again because they're absolute gems. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Well, that's David Law, who will almost certainly be furious when he wakes up tomorrow morning and realises he missed not only sort of the best two days of the US Open a couple of days ago, but he's now missed what is almost certainly going to go down as a classic between Brooksby and Djokovic. So sorry, David, but nothing's better than sleep, really. No. No. And we are calling that section Dialer David. Yes. Oh, sorry, I forgot to... (laughs) I was going to do a jingle and everything. Oh, hang on. Djokovic has won the set. He's going off court. Uh, I'll I'll keep you updated. I'll keep you updated on how long he goes off court for, whether he's booed, when he comes back. Um, should we start, given that David has led us there, with Emma Raducanu? Where else? Where? Well, potentially with the story well, that we're, <laughs> we're not able to cover, Matt. But we're, we're glossing on over that. Let's start with Emma Raducanu, who very definitely is into the quarterfinal of the US Open on her US Open debut at only her second Grand Slam. She is the youngest Brit to reach the quarterfinal of the US Open since Christine Truman in 1959, who was only two months younger she was watched on as she reached the quarterfinal with a straight sets win over Shelby Rogers by by Billie Jean King, by Martina Navratilova in our Prime Video Comedy booth, by Virginia Wade, just beaming. Mm. And she she described Virginia as an absolute legend in her on-court post-match interview with Pam Shriver. In fact, we're just getting, while Djokovic is off-court, we're just getting a little recap of her win and we're seeing Emma Raducanu broad smile on her knees jogging up to the net and shaking the hands of well actually giving a hug to a slightly shell-shocked Shelby Rogers because Emma Raducanu was two love 1540 down love to 1540 it was a slightly eerie start to that match she walked out onto court with Shelby Rogers to such a different atmosphere to what she had experienced in any of her previous matches. Not only, I didn't expect her to struggle with the scale of the Arthur Ashe Stadium and the the sheer number of fans in there. It was the fact that it was almost empty when she walked out and it was that eerie cavernous feeling to it. It was actually very flat Mm. and unatmospheric. And I think that made it a a bigger adjustment from, from previous matches than than it even could have been, if you like. Yeah, every match of hers has felt like an event right from the start, hasn't it? You know, whether she's been on court 17 or one one of those outside courts, they've been packed right from the start and she's walked out to real support. But because this was the second match on the Arthur Ashe Stadium, honestly, quite understandably, people leave the stadium and they don't sort of build in enough time for them to get back in. So they... They walked back out and as you said, it was, I don't know, a fifth full, if Mm. that, you know, it was really quite empty and it just wasn't, 
what it deserved, what we perhaps expected. Um, and I think perhaps that did play a part in those first couple of games where Raducanu was very clearly nervous and not playing her best. You know, she was overhitting a lot, wasn't she? Wasn't the player that we'd seen in the past. And Martina Navratilova had been on the prime coverage all day and she said something which I found so interesting about how champions or future champions look like they've had experience even if they haven't yet. And there's just this sense of belonging about them before they've even accomplished what they go on to accomplish in their careers that make them a champion. And for those first couple of games, there were nerves for Raducanu and it, and it didn't look like that. But how quickly it changed and how quickly it did look like she belonged on that court. As soon as, soon as she got a foothold, she then won 11 games in a row. And this is becoming her trademark, these runs of games that she reels off. She's done it in all of her matches this tournament. She did it to Castello at Wimbledon. And it's like, as soon as she gets to a level, which is kind of her best level, she's able to sustain it. And no one has been able to live with it yet. And it's it's an incredible, incredible sight. Yeah, she... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's so, so beautifully put. I mean... It, at one stage, it looked like she was going to reel off tw- twelve games mm. in a row from from two love down. Um, it it was a, it felt a slightly messier performance or, or slightly messier match overall than than the one against Sara Saribes Tormo because I mean the the stats will show a lot of a, lump, a lot of unforced errors from from Shelby Rogers and it did feel like they were they were coming left right and center but Emma Raducanu just took all of her time away and I think there were fewer winners for Aducanu but it just it would just was a different match she was drawing mm. she was drawing em- errors from Rogers yeah it's kind of that line between forced errors and unforced errors mm. and probably more of them were forced errors than the scorecard the stat sheet will give will give credit for um I mean I do think Rogers had a bad day and sh- she said in her press conference that she was embarrassed by her performance and, you know, just that's a tough way to follow the best win of her career. And she played a very demanding doubles match yesterday, which went, I think, 7-6 in the third set and they lost that. And, you know, it wasn't quite what she wanted to go into this match with. Um, and she didn't perform her best. But just as you say, a, a significant part of it was the way Raducanu was rushing her and forcing her to hit errors and forcing her to go out of her comfort zone and do something different because it was all getting away from her so quickly because of how well Raducanu was playing. It all it all still feels quite surreal talking about it mm. all. It's this weird mixture of of, you know, exactly exactly what you've described Martina describing, which is that, well of course, she's so clearly born to it. It it's she's so clearly got the thing Mm. that I'm not going to call it or the X factor, (laughs) but I also can't find adequate words to, to actually describe. Um, Yeah. She's so clearly got that thing um, that, that somehow it does feel, it, it does feel predictable and also yet completely and utterly bizarre. Yeah. Well, there's a tension between, how illogical and absurd it all is for her to be doing this and how logical it seems when you actually watch her play. Yes. Because we've got no data points for her against any of these players whatsoever. And yet we're watching each match and she is acquitting herself like a top player. She's thrashing players, well, in her last two, ranked around 40 in the world. She's thrashing them. She's crushing them. She's just making them look like nothing. And it's the first time we've seen her play these sorts of players. So that's all we've got to go on. And, and all different sorts of players as well. I mean, Shelby Rogers could not be more different to Sara Saribes Tormo. Yeah, great point. Um, and Belinda Bencic again, which is who she'll, she'll face in the quarterfinals. Another completely different proposition. She, she once again said in... Uh, 
it, it was again with Pam Shriver in her in her post match interview on the court. She she said that Leila Fernandez and Carlos Alcaraz winning through the day before had been a big motivator mm. for her. She wants to stay in the gang, <laughs> and I love that. I really desperately, wholeheartedly hope they have a WhatsApp group. Oh. <laughs> That's such a great thought. Do you think they've kept Fernandez in now she's turned well, 19? yes. hope so. I mean, it would just presumably be sort of flirting between <laughs> Raducanu and Alcaraz if Fernandez isn't there third wheeling. <laughs> Although Fernandez and, and Alcaraz could speak Spanish together. Well, I Fernandez is a useful go-between, yes. isn't she? She speaks... A translator, if you will. She speaks Spanish, French and English, doesn't she? Yes. She's, in fact, all it's her tweets are in everything. It's the perfect WhatsApp group. It's, I want to be in it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I just love that line. Yeah, I, I really do. Yeah. And um, 15 games dropped in four matches in the main draw. Not many more dropped in qualifying. The last time someone did something like that was Sviantek. Oh, oh, you've gone there. I've gone there. I mean, don't you think that... OK, we knew more about Sviantek. I thought you were going to say John Open. McEnroe, 1977. <laughs> Wimbledon. Um, but, I mean, we knew more about Sviantek. She'd reached, I think, fourth rounds of slams. Yes. Um, she'd been on the tour. One junior slams. Yeah, so she was more established. But as that French Open run was happening, it was just becoming yeah. more and more difficult to deny mm. that she was playing the best tennis in mm. the tournament. It was a very different tournament because a lot of the big names went out and a lot of the big names are still in this tournament I'm going to leave it there (laughs) I've made my point (laughs) well in order to preview her quarterfinal we should probably tell you about Belinda Bencic and how she reached that quarterfinal Uh, she beat Iga Svantec in two straight sets uh, a a headline scoreline which does not tell the whole story (laughs) of that match because it was all about the first set uh, and obviously in particular the first set tiebreak. Um, I mean, the whole thing was so completely epic. She came out, Bencic, playing... Uh, look, I didn't... Uh, ironically, given that I was working on the Olympics, I actually didn't see that much of her, her run to the gold medal there because I was busy covering weightlifting and and, <laughs> and wrestling and the like. Um, but that was... The, for for. A, spell at the beginning of that match that was the best tennis I've seen from from Belinda Bencic I really was reframing in my mind how I how I thought about her there was a steeliness about her which I've never really associated with her before now yeah absolutely it's such a fast start such sweet timing um Daniela Hantikova was commentating on the match for Prime and she knows Bencic very well and she had this great description I thought of Bencic's game that she sort of walks through her shots she just sort of steps into it and sort of just flows and I just thought that was exactly right and that is what she was doing um, she played Sviantek in Adelaide at the start of the year and got thrashed I mean not even got close to Sviantek and yet she broke right at the start and it was a credit to how well Sviantek was playing that she kept it at just the single break and just mm. the one game deficit because, yeah, just just a flawless set of tennis really up until she went to serve for it at 5-4 from Bengtschik. You know, just the winners to unforced errors ratio was unbelievable. And, and the serve. I don't think of Bengtschik's serve as a weapon. But I must say when she went to serve it out, she did blink a bit and... The second serve in particular is a vulnerability with Bengtschik. I, I don't trust it. Mm. it. Just whenever she goes up to the line and has to hit a second serve, I'm just not sure what's coming. And she started feeling her back a bit, didn't she? She mm. looked like she was in a bit of pain. And she was getting quite frustrated because I think she knew she should have put that set to bed. She was the better player. Um, and honestly, if Svantec had won it, it would have been a bit of a steal. But she had multiple set points in the tie break one that she will rue I think she missed a volley and probably should have made it and it was just an epic epic tie break in fact Sviantek had the lead and Benkic came back it was the reverse of the set in that 
in that way. Um, 1412. 1412, it was like, like 25 minutes. It's we're going to have the tiebreak yeah. record on the Armstrong court. Yeah, on the same court, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. it? Yeah, it was really cool. And then I just thought, you know, how do you bounce back after losing Well, a set because like she that? sat down in the chair and it was, you know, Svantec made her trademark during that French Open run, which I, which I, with sort of a million people shouting in my ear at, at, at the time of various things that I had to do, I described as having been a couple of years ago. And it, of course, was a couple of French Opens ago, mm. but that it was a year ago. It was less than a year ago that Schwiontek won Gosh, that yeah, French it was Open. After it was the US less Open, than a year it? ago. Um, yeah, just time. Wow. Pan- the pandemic time vortex is a very strange thing. Um, but yeah, she made her trademark during that French Open run, just to her serenity, didn't she? And her, okay, as you said, it was a, she was so bulldozing during that run that she never faced that much adversity but she just seemed so impenetrable didn't she and you know just as we saw at the olympics those really distressing scenes of her subbing on the court after her loss and staying there for a really long you know unable to move sort of immobilized with Mm -hmm. sadness and whatever else is going on emotionally the the veil of confidence i think you described it with asaka the other night it was re- it, it was revealed how thin it is at the moment with Svantec when she sat down after losing that set i think um and i i think she's being hard on herself because i think she played a good match today and she's reached she's had a fantastically consistent year and that's that's a really positive thing after a a huge breakthrough out of nowhere I think a consolidating consistent year actually it's not it's not sexy (laughs) but it's actually a really good building block but I feel like for her that's not how she feels about it at all yeah I think so um isn't she the only woman to have reached the second week of every slam Mm. this season is is the stat fourth round at all the slams um and I completely agree with you. It's it's a really good season to consolidate a breakout season. It's just the opposite, really, isn't it? You know, kind of the opposite of winning a slam is, okay, I suppose the opposite is bombing out in round one. But in terms of being a top player, the opposite is having sort of just good, solid results at slams across the board rather than one standout moment. Yeah, she doesn't want to become the first leg of the relay. She wants to be the second leg of the relay. Exactly. That's perfectly put. Mm. Yes. And I think in her mind, that's why, you know, there might be some frustrations. But, you know, she won Rome. She won another time. Adelaide, I think she won, as I mentioned earlier. She's had some success along the way. And I don't think she's had a lot of bad losses. Like, this wasn't a bad loss today. She she lost to Benchich playing really, really well, I think. Mm. So Benchich... Against Raducanu. I mean, abs- it's absolutely. It's, it's tantalising and it's impossible because there is absolutely nothing to go on about how that that matchup will work out. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Neither have dropped a set. No. <laughs> <Something's>, <laughs> when we Raducanu's barely dropped games. Something's got to give. I just... <laughs> yeah, a friend messaged me today saying, can Raducanu win the tournament? I think Martina Navratilova thinks she can. Yeah, I don't know how to answer that question. No, I mean... If... Yes, but yeah, I'm still not I mean, this is, this, is, it, it, this is a philosophical question about the mix, isn't it? Once you're down to the last eight, should, in theory, everybody should be in the mix, but there are definitely quarterfinalists at slams that, that we would exclude from the mix. Botic van der Zandschulp yeah, not in is the mix. not in my mix. No. No. So, <laughs> is Emma Raducanu, sorry, it's the logical conclusion of the, if the, if the cul-de-sac I've just driven us both down, is Emma Raducanu in your mix? Is Belinda Bencic in your mix? 
based on the definition of the mix, Emma Raducanu can't be in it. But maybe I just need to wake up more because I, I would still be surprised if she won this tournament. But I think I would still be surprised if Bencic won this tournament. And yet she yeah. really ought to be in the mix. Oh, yeah. It's like what you were saying about Pliskova before the tournament. Should mm. be in it, just not sure I still think is. I'd be more surprised if Pliskova won than Bencic. Pliskova beat Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova uh, today on the grandstand court. We we watched a bit of it. Didn't look the highest of quality, um, but I'm, you know, Pliskova has progressed serenely through this tournament. I'm going to say Pliskova's in my mix. Mm. What's she done to change? Well, I think the courts are That's a good very point. much in her favour. Um, she's come through saving match point. I still think that's a mm. big deal. And she's reached a Grand Slam final this year. And it's one more step. I know it's a massive step. She's reached the US Open final before as well. I just think, think there comes a point where you have to look at the tournament as much as you have to look at the player's history, I suppose. And looking at this tournament, Pliskova has to be okay. in the mix for me, anyway. Mm. You, you, you've you've sold me a little there. She'll probably go out in the next round now. Well, she will face the winner of Bianca Andreescu against Maria Sakkari, which will probably still be on court at the time we're reporting our, recording our next podcast. I'm not even going to apologise for not including a, a review of that match in this pod because. The scheduling precludes that from ever being humanly possible. Uh, incidentally, Djokovic is two love up in the third set, but it's been another epic Djokovic service game. Brooksby had break points to 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 get the break immediately back from from Djokovic. He's he's not going anywhere. He's he's going to fight tooth and nail to the very end, and he's going to bring the best out of Novak Djokovic tonight. He already is. Hey, he could play him into his his very best form. Um, so Djokovic slash Brooksby uh, will face Matteo Berrettini in the quarterfinals. Berrettini has not done any of this the easy way, ha- has he? He's into the quarters. He beat Oscar Otter, the qualifier from Germany today, in four sets. Oscar was on his last, sort of not even leg by the end, sort of toe, balancing on one toe. Yes, and a big ice pack on his, yeah. I think, his tennis-playing hand. <laughs> Bit not, of an issue. Not ideal. Um, he, he, he got He got trapped in the net. He ran into the net, fell into the net, and it looked and calamitous. Was, yeah, and and his his shoelaces seemed to get caught in the net, and he couldn't he couldn't get his foot free. <laughs> it sort of it sort of reminded me of when when Grigor Dimitrov got trapped in his own trousers. Yes, <laughs> wasn't that before the match even started? Yeah, yeah, yeah. before the knock up even. <laughs> um, Matteo Berrettini, I mean. He's a Wimbledon finalist now. He has reached the semi-finals of this tournament before. The conditions suit him down to the ground. Um, he's uh, okay. He's not. He didn't beat Djokovic in that Wimbledon final, but I feel like he put in a good enough performance for it to be a confidence builder against that opponent. And yet, I don't think either of us are convinced that he's playing particularly great tennis yet. Mm. No, I think that's fair. And I th- I think he would agree. You know, at, at Wimbledon, he was really convincing sort of every match. Mm. Here, it's been a little bit more of a struggle the whole way. But perhaps that's... It's winning ugly, isn't it? Is. it? it maybe that's, that's the marker of actually impressive. him properly graduating yes. to that echelon that he thinks he belongs to. Yeah, I think so, because that is what all former players and say you know winning when you're not at your best is the skill you need to develop and if he's developed that then that as you said does I think take him up a level I mean I have to say what a grand slam season he's had it's quite possible that the only guy he will have lost to is Novak Djokovic at the Australian Open he withdrew and his own abdomen at the Australian Open he withdrew with that injury he lost to Djokovic at Roland Garros in the match where the curfew came in halfway through and the crowd left, and that definitely hindered him, I think. 
and obviously Wimbledon and then, okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but US Open, it's possible that he could mm. he could go the year undefeated against everyone but Novak Djokovic in slams. The theme of this podcast, Matt, is very much getting ahead of ourselves where <laughs> Novak Djokovic is concerned. Uh, so that is that is right in keeping with things. Um, yeah, look, I, I, look, I, yeah, I, I came up with that that theory about Berrettini and winning ugly sort of on the spot there, but I, I, I do actually think that's a marker of of a of an evolution of his. The problem is you can't, I don't think, win ugly against Novak Djokovic. Or potentially Jensen Brooksby, frankly. Um, well said. Because if, look, if he wins this, then he'll he'll take some darn tootin' beating, won't he? There we go. I've covered all the bases there, Matt. See what I did there? <laughs> um, the other quarterfinal in that top half of the draw will be contested by Alexander Zverev, who beat Yannick Sinner today, 6-4, 6-4. 7-6, Sinner had set points in that third set and he will face Lloyd Harris, who got the better of Riley Apelka 6-3 in the fourth. That's another prediction that David has got right from his deathbed, which is, it, it's getting increasingly irritating. Mm. Mm. Um, he, Apelka beat Harris 7-6 in the third in Toronto. So he's he's overturned that. In fact, it was a, a four-set win over Apelka with only one tie-break set. He he won a six-one set over Riley Apelka, Lloyd Harris. Yeah, and he served for the first set, Harris, and I think hit three double faults in the game, lost it in a tie-break, and then just sort of carried on as though that hadn't happened. And yeah, he, he ran through those second, third, and fourth sets. Um, I didn't. I didn't see much of that match. I saw a little bit more of Zverev, Sinner, and Zverev played very well. Sinner, I thought, was very good in in the third set. A little bit lacking in the first two, but good mm-hmm. in the third set. Really good attitude because he went down a break and stayed really positive. Recovered the break and really should have won it. I mean, he he botched a forehand on on set point. Uh, just a bit too over-eager to hit the line. He just didn't need to. Um, but Zverev was excellent, but there were some vulnerabilities there when it got close. You know, his serve had been flawless the whole the whole match and largely was, but he did double fault when Sinner ran him close in that third set. He did start slowing down the second serve and just, you know, it takes a good performance to get it to that spot at the moment against Zverev in this form. But if players can do that, I think it's still there for Zverev. Mm. Yeah. It, I was a little bit disappointed with Yannick Sinner today uh, in those opening two sets. I thought he would just bring it a little bit more, have a bit more intensity, just put Zverev under a bit more pressure, really. It all felt it felt a little bit limp. I, th- I thought he'd do, frankly, what he did in the third set in mm. in the opening two sets. And I just look—he's still twenty years old. We're suddenly moving all the goalposts, aren't we? Because eighteen-year-olds are doing all these big things. It was only yesterday that he was the precocious young talent. So, you know, I'm absolutely not writing him off. He's still brilliant. But I just, you know, I cast my mind back to the Miami final when he didn't produce his best on the big stage. You know that was the biggest moment of his career so far, and I'm just, I'm just yet to see him really bring it on the biggest of stages in the biggest moments. Yeah, he played well against Nadal at the French Open, didn't mm. he? As a, as a heavy underdog, as a heavy though. underdog. Mm. Yeah, I think I do remember Piatti giving an interview on on Prime when I can't quite remember the specifics or the time frame he was talking about. But he did say something like wanting or, or thinking Sinner would be sort of at his best after he's got something like 200 matches on the tour under his belt or something. And I think Sinner is maybe about halfway there mm. or something. I think there is a sort of long-term he, he, or medium long-term goal with Sinner. And, and that's that he's a methodical guy, isn't he? He's not, he's not, he was never going to be an Alcaraz, I think, with... No. The explosive break- breakthrough. Yeah, and the fact he didn't didn't not play that much juniors. Mm. I think you know, and he he didn't 
get loads of wins. He, he sort of did it the hard way and sort of built his game. And I think he buys into that approach. I, I don't get the sense that he's sort of rushing and desperate mm. for massive improvements. Like Rublev. Week in, week out. <laughs> um, I think he's just a bit calmer about it and more, I don't know, he's pretty thoughtful about it. I, I do trust him. He's, all, all the raw materials are there with him. Zverev against Harris then. I've just looked up their head-to-head. They've met twice, including, of course, at Cincinnati just a couple of weeks ago. It was seven six six two for Zverev. Can you see any world in which Lloyd Harris is able to to pick at that chink of Zverev's? I mean, Zverev is just serving so well and, and looks so confident. I find it hard to believe that Somebody as improved as Harris is, and he really is impressive. And I think he's going to be one. I think he's going to be a mainstay, um, probably in the top top twenty, certainly top twenty five. I would say, um, but I I'm not sure I see it. No, he's got a good serve, Harris. So if he can get one of the first two sets close and try and expose that vulnerability, perhaps. But Zverev is playing very very well. Hmm. So those quarterfinals will be in two days' time. What do we have on the schedule for tomorrow? We have our first quarterfinals. It starts with Botic van der Zandtroep. Nice. <laughs> I've learned it from Daniil Medvedev, his opponent tomorrow, who did a masterful um, pronunciation. Yeah, he really of- did. The name that I've said once, I've done it. I don't need to go there again because we're all completely writing off. Have you seen Botic. the difference in court time between those two? Tell me. This is, I think, including the three qualifying matches that Botic has played. Botic. See how I got out of it there. <laughs> um, Medvedev's at about seven and a half hours on court. Botics at 19 and a half hours on court. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, I cannot think of a bigger discrepancy. Maybe, you know, John Isner after he plays <laughs> 7068, but it's extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the one match tomorrow where unanimously there'd only be one prediction. Hey, look, it's been a US Open of, of thrills, spells and surprises so who knows but um Medvedev the heavy favorite there because he's just he's been such a sure bet just not blinking Mm. um then it's Alina Svitolina against Leila Annie Fernandez please don't make a prediction (laughs) for that are they in your mix good question why am I going to end up with nobody in my mix (laughs) other than Pliskova You tell me, Matt. Well, you tell me. I'd be surprised, wouldn't you? If either, if either of them won it, yeah. This is why I'm increasingly thinking the definition of the mix might be inadequate. When we get to this stage. I'm reluctant to appeal for people to submit their revisions of the mix definition because that's opening a cabinet of worms. But I will pledge that we will, at a time when, when we have any free and available brain space we will review it mm. i think for this slam we might have to to stick with what we've got mix wise mm. so neither leila fernandez nor svitolina is in your mix if you had to pick either fernandez or raducanu for your mix <laughs> you can't just sigh matt that's not how a podcast works if i had to pick either mm. raducanu Mm, I would too. I would too. Krachikova, Sabalenka, both in the mix? Both in the mix, yeah. I feel mm. confident they're both in the Agreed. mix. Agreed. Who's winning it? We ha- Actually, that brings me on to the fact that we haven't even covered the uh, Krachikova, Muguruza, Agro. Yes. From last night, Muguruza called Krachikova unprofessional for taking uh, a medical timeout, trailing 5-6 in the second set. Uh, Krachikova had won the first set. She raced to a full love lead in the second and then she said she started to feel dizzy and really short of breath and and it that's absolutely what absolutely what it looked like she she lost all color and just looked completely out of it um won won the tie break won the match 
Muguruza was very unhappy uh, with the time that she was taking between points in that tiebreak. Krujikova apologised to her at the handshake. I think it was an apology for the for the medical timeout. And Muguruza just went so unprofessional and stomped <laughs> off. And Krujikova didn't do press. Uh, she she gave some quotes to the WTA to to distribute on her her behalf. Um, it all looked very genuine to me. I I see both sides. I can absolutely understand why Muguruza was completely unhappy about that situation. Um, but Krajikova looked really out of it and she did wait till before her own serve. Yeah, which I think is something. And as you said, it, it, it did seem to start midway through that second set mm. when Krajikova had a lead. You know, there was no need for her really to start acting if that's what Muguruza thinks was happening um don't know whether Muguruza did specifically say that but it's kind of what she mm. was implying um I think it's a situation where no one did anything wrong but no one feels good about it mm. you know I think yeah I don't I, think Krajikova feels no I don't, I don't think about she does to do that. and I'm certainly not going to sit here and slam Krajikova because I just don't know how she's feeling, and it didn't. She didn't look well. She had no, to be helped she... off the court afterwards. Yeah. Uh, but equally, yeah, Muguruza, in the heat of the moment, probably was annoyed about that. Yeah. Um, and it, and and yes, she's experienced, but you know, Andy Murray's experienced, and he got annoyed <laughs> yeah. about. You know, it, it yeah. does get to these players. Yeah, true. Um, unfortunately, there's one more match I have to put you on the spot about Max. Matt, Felix Auger, Eliasim, Carlos Alcaraz, mix or no mix? Oh, no, neither of them are in the mix. Okay, because the mix is Djokovic, even though we at the at the time you're listening to this podcast, listeners, you, you don't actually know if he's still in the tournament. Medvedev's also Medvedev in the mix. Medvedev and Djokovic. Um, possibly Zverev. Yeah, okay. Um, it's a sort of mix of two and a half, I think. The two, and a, two and a half people. Um, okay. I was so impressed with Felix last night. We were dealing with the crowd, dealing with the crowd against Tiafo. It was a cauldron of noise, and he was so composed and secure and solid from the baseline. I've become too used to watching Australia see matches and seeing him spray Mm. the ball, and there was none of that at all. I thought he was brilliant, and his serve has improved so much. You know, that was a real weakness last year a couple of years ago but I think he hit over 20 aces yesterday it gives him such a foundation it's a really impressive performance and also some amazing quotes from him afterwards were then about the significance of that match you know two black male players playing on the Arthur Ashe Stadium Um, we were chatting about that and we came up with James Blake, Donald Young in 2008 as mm. the last time we thought that had happened. And and we were very pleased with ourselves. A bit too pleased with ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was a nice quote from Felix. He said, um, I've got it here. I'm not totally aware yet of the impact that I have. Sometimes talking with my family, with my dad that owns an academy, he tells me the kids watching and the impact that you can have. It's really flattering. It's really good to feel that. Of course, I'm playing for myself, trying to achieve great things, but also having a good impact on others is the most gratifying thing. I think Francis and I can be proud of ourselves for stepping on that court today. We've come a long way. It's not like the road is clear from, you know, where he came from, where I came from. It's a lot of work, a lot of sacrifice playing on the Arthrash Stadium. He was the pioneer. But now to have kids like Francis and I stepping up and playing some good tennis, I really hope it inspires and sends a good message to other young players or kids out there. And just that perspective, mm. that understanding that they can have an impact, that understanding of the sort of arc of tennis history as well. Love that mm. quote from Felix. Yeah, he's good people, isn't he? Mm. Right, well, that is tomorrow at... This weird and wonderful US Open, Djokovic is serving at 4-1. This is squeaky bum time now for the tennis podcast to see how quickly this episode goes at a date. Things have developed well so far. (laughs) Yeah, I feel really bad for Jensen Brooksby that our entire credibility now depends on him losing. But here we are. Um, I've got to be able to function tomorrow, folks. So that means taking a risk. 
um, on on Novak Djokovic winning a tennis match. It feels, you know, <laughs> as risks go, managed, managed risk. Uh, David, we hope, will be back tomorrow. He had a little cameo today, a taster of what you've been missing. Uh, I tell you what, he is, he is raring to go. Expect pumped David Law. So looking forward to welcoming David back. Uh, looking forward to hopefully his run of predictions coming to an end. He's got Rogue. <laughs> It's his mascot. I've got Zeus. Matt's got Scousel Mousel. Billy Jean. He's got Billy Jean King. Billy Jean went to bed way before Billy Jean King tonight. Billy Jean King's been out at the tennis having a whale of a time, whereas uh, Billy Jean Canine is a little bit over the tennis. <laughs> um, we have Chris Albert Lee, our executive producer. We have Francis, our extremely handsome mascot cat, and we have shout outs, Matt. Yes, for Peter McMorris. Oh, like that name a lot. Mm. Rolls off the tongue. Rolls off the tongue, like Peter Goyovchik. Nice. Mm. We have Heather M. Oh. Heather Watson. Heather Watson. I'm trying to think, Heather from M People. What was her surname? Small, Heather Small. Oh, balls, it's not Heather Small. Hello, though, to, to this Heather and I've really liked M people, so I'm glad I'm glad it's not Heather Small. <laughs> and Claire Rosemary Evans. Oh. Do we know Claire Rosemary Evans? No. I don't I don't know I if we like know her, name. but I it it does ring a bell. I think she might send us emails and interact with us on Twitter, perhaps. Thank thank you, Claire Rosemary Evans, for your two lovely names. Uh and for your support. Are there any are there any tennis Claire's? Does Balding count? She listens to the podcast. Hello, Claire Balding and Claire Rosemary. Mm. Mm. She listens on double speed. Doesn't she, she listens on w- double speed, which is yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, when you're time poor. Double speed, David Law. I mean, wow. Right, that's your tennis podcast for day eight of the US Open. Uh, it's 5-1 Djokovic, 15-30 on the Brooksby serve. It's still been a heck of a match. Goodness knows what this US Open still has in store. Sign up to the newsletter, tell your friends, and we'll speak to you tomorrow. 